The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what we have here, this piece that we saw is widely known as one of the most influential letters of all time. One of the, perhaps a history-changing document is simply this piece of mail written by one guy about another guy to a group of people in another part of the country to simply tell them about this gift of grace that is found in Jesus Christ. That in looking at something profound and deep, a game changer, if you will, at the heart of what we are going to do over the next 10 weeks, starting tonight, it might seem awkward to say, but at the heart of what we're going to do is read somebody else's mail. We're going to read somebody else's mail, this, this package that is addressed to somebody else, but somehow ends up with us. Now, before you write this off as, okay, Ryan, that sounds a little bit like this type of cosmic spam to me. I get all sorts of stuff that I don't ask for that just kind of ends up in my inbox. Go with me here for a second. There's a big difference between even what we've just read that, that in the first four verses. Notice those first four verses, by the way, were one sentence. Welcome to the Apostle Paul. Dude can be a bit long-winded at times. So, he, it's... I want to I point out a couple of distinctions between why I don't think that this is cosmic spam and why uh, we might want to listen to this package that has ended up in our hands, though it's not addressed to us. First, when I get spam, typically, it is from somebody that I certainly don't know and who rarely identifies themselves. If they do, their name usually has numbers in it somewhere, not just their email address, but their actual name. And the, that I can't pronounce, and they're usually trying to sell me something. Well, what we've already seen here is that we, we see that this is from Paul. He identifies himself as apostle serves, serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're, we're good there. He's not trying to uh, sell us any, you know, Viagra or whatever else that, you, you know, other spam that you get that is for all sorts of mysterious ailments that, you know, you wonder if anybody really has. Okay, but and he's also not... Not there uh, trying to ask us for help. I know some of the spam I get is actually from people I know really well. Sometimes I get stoked when I get an email from Bono or whatever, but it's just it's asking for my help through the, the one campaign to make poverty history, which I love. But let's be honest, Bono's not super interested in getting a hold of the R. Okay, yeah, he wants my help. He wants our help. There is something that we can do. But this, this is, this is going to land a little bit more. The, the other great one that I get is one uh, from uh, somebody in some far corner of the earth that, that perhaps I've never heard of that is saying, hey, 
I come from some sort of royal lineage and I've got all this money, but people are after it. And if you give me your bank account number, I will be happy to deposit a lot of this money in here. We'll work it out. A big piece of the pie will be yours and you will be entitled to all sorts of these riches and it will make your life better. Sweet. Here's my bank account number. Nobody does that. The, the other one I love, I'm sure you guys have all, have all received this one as well. Hey, hey, uh, Bill Gates is doing this thing where if you respond to this email and include everybody in your contact list, uh, in 10 days he's going to be giving away money to the, you know, whatever. And then I always love how at the bottom of that it always says, uh, it's not a hoax this time. <laughs> there's, there's a new one. So it's not, it's not this piece of spam like the email that we always get telling us uh, that Bill Gates is going to be giving away a bunch of money where, again, somehow our lives will become better because of it. The rich guy's name isn't dropped, but a name is dropped at the beginning of this letter by the Apostle Paul. A name is dropped, and the name that he drops is the name of Jesus. And so what we have in this letter, not addressed to us, but to the church at Rome, that this package yet has, that has somehow ended up in our hands, doesn't offer us anything that promises to make our life better. It doesn't offer us anything that will make our lives easier. In fact, what it offers us in this package, with this letter, I want to argue that what it offers us is an umbrella. It offers us this umbrella that we begin to discover is available for anybody who wants to pick it up. It is a gift. It is a gift of grace that is found in Jesus Christ. And this umbrella, while cumbersome, while unspectacular, never promises to make your life better, but... He does say, throughout the next 16 chapters that we're going to, to look at over the, the next 10 weeks, he does say, what this umbrella does do is offer you a grace that will save your life. It offers us salvation. It tells us about how, how this umbrella works, how it is held together by its center that is Jesus Christ. And so go, go with us this quarter as we look at this type of divine umbrella that is available for us all. And Paul does his best to say that this umbrella will set you free to experience life in relationship to God without fear of the mystery and chaos of the elements that might appear to be more powerful than God. That might appear to try and take you uh, away from God. So what we have in this package, though it is addressed to somebody else, quickly we discover that the message of this letter and its contents has profound implications for us. Let's take a look this quarter at what might happen if we pick up this umbrella Let's see how it might cover us. Let's learn about how, in fact, it does that when we engage the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, that's exactly what Romans is about. Let's pray. Lord, teach us through this letter sent in the mid-first century. 
Lord, it, it was a message that meant something then. It's a message that means something to us now. And so, Lord, as we, as we come tonight and throughout the quarter, would you make yourself even more real to us? Help us to understand uh, who you are. Help us to, to grasp your love and your grace for us even more as we begin 2010. Lord, earnestly, uh, we ask uh, that you could help us out with that in Christ's name. Amen. So we hear this letter, two names dropped, Paul, an apostle, and our Lord Jesus Christ. If you got this letter that you, it wasn't addressed to you, yet you find yourself reading it, perhaps one of the first things you do, certainly it would be one of the first things I do, is go, who are these people anyway? Who is this guy, Paul? Uh, now, if it was in our context, what we'd, what we'd probably do is go, okay, I'm, you know, maybe I'll find some things out by doing a Google search on him, whatever, go in, type in, okay, Apostle Paul, servant of Jesus Christ, it'll spit some things out. You go, okay, I'm learning a little bit about this guy whose letter I've got in my hand. Then probably after that, if you're anything like me, maybe you'll go and check out and see what the, uh, what the internets are saying about the R these days. Go do a vanity search, you know, hey, if they're saying something about Paul, they might be saying something about me. So if I had this letter, I might also go and, and uh, see if I could find anything about this guy on Facebook, which I actually did. So I went on to Facebook Nation uh, today and typed in the Apostle Paul. It was interesting what I got back. There were, there were several different the Apostle Pauls. And uh, I became a fan of, of all of them <laughs> and, because it offered. But... but on, on Facebook, what it said is, the first one, the Apostle Paul, and then you know how when you, when you do that search, it'll say type, what type of person this is. So the first one said type critic, which I thought was interesting, the Apostle Paul critic. Uh, the other one, which I felt was more appropriate, given that he's written uh, a huge chunk of the New Testament, was the Apostle Paul type writer. Okay, And then uh, the last one was the, the there were several, uh, was the Apostle Paul other public figure, which got me thinking, what in the world is an other public figure anyway? I mean, I figure any of us that occasionally go outside or go out into public every now and then might be able to call ourselves an other public figure. But I became a, a fan of that Apostle Paul, too. Then there were several other Apostle Pauls that, that were student groups, uh, but some of those groups were closed, so I couldn't become a fan. So we'd go on and we would try and... and Figure out a little bit about who this guy is. And there's a lot that I could say about the Apostle Paul, but I want to give you a couple of snippets uh, that, that I think are helpful in guiding us in understanding what Paul, what this guy might have been thinking as he wrote this letter that has now ended up in our hands. Okay, so Paul uh, was origi- a, a dude that was originally named Saul. Uh, and growing up, he grew up, uh, for those of you that, that grew up in Christian schools, you might have a bit of a, a concept of this, but he, he grew up with some very rigid and strict uh, Jewish teachings. Came uh, from a Pharisee background, though he was a Roman citizen. And, and you think some of the, the religion classes that you may have had in your growing up were, were difficult, for those of you that, that perhaps went to a private school. The stuff that Paul was likely engaging in this rabbinical teaching is Old Testament stuff beyond anything I think that we can grasp. The depth that they were going to that. Well, as Paul grew up, as part of the Pharisees, he gained a reputation as, as one of the, the most powerful among the most powerful. 
Okay, he was, uh, you know, he knew how to, to, to throw some people around. And in fact, Paul, before his conversion, was a guy that would, that would persecute Christians. He would stand by as even uh, other disciples were being stoned, and he would approve and, in fact, encourage it. Paul was a, a, a pretty passionate guy. And for that reason, we can look at Paul and wonder, would we have really liked this guy if we were interacting with him? Pretty charismatic, pretty passionate, this, this much we know. So, so with all this energy and, and certainly this unusual intelligence and this diving into the study of the things of God um, as a child, it becomes his passion. It becomes exactly what he is about. And what he becomes about is something that I think many of us are about. Otherwise, we would not be in this room tonight. What he became about is the hope of God. Keep in mind, he had studied all the history of the people of Israel. And, and he knew that God had promised to, to reveal himself through these people. And in fact, not just to reveal himself, but to bless all the world through Israel. That was his hope. His hope was that, uh, that they would be led into this new place, that, that God would redeem Israel. And that not only, only uh, redeem them, but then give them a permanent place. Uh, this, this kingdom that comes through Israel. Paul becomes passionate in his hope and about this message of the kingdom of God. So before his conversion, he sees these heretical Jews, these people called, called Christians, coming up. He makes it his job to persecute them until he's on a road trip by horseback, gets knocked off his horse on the way to Damascus, Syria one day, and has this encounter where he's blinded and he encounters on that road the resurrected Jesus Christ. He's blinded. And that begins a journey where Paul discovers something that he never expected to discover. That this passion that he had hoped for to see God redeem Israel. To see God bring Israel back from the dead. To see God restore Israel and put it into a place of permanence. He begins to see on that day that that is exactly what God did. In Jesus Christ. And it begins this journey of going, of, of Paul's passion, of everything that he had hoped for being fulfilled. It actually happening in Jesus Christ. For him it was real. And he began to discover that. Friends, that's who writes this letter. Somebody who had a, a hope in something else. They grew up having this, this hope that God would somehow deliver, become a little bit disappointed and disenchanted. But then they realize, yes, this is it. This is what I've been hoping for all along. In this moment, it, it causes us to even reflect, what's your hope? At the beginning of 2010, what is it that you're hoping for? What is this thing that you are longing to see God do? Paul's life and testimony suggest that maybe it has happened in Jesus, which would make Jesus worth 
following. So Paul, in in essence, tells us about this gift of grace that is revealed in Jesus Christ that I'm calling an umbrella. Now, for those of you that are sitting here thinking, Ryan, you're talking about Jesus and making it an umbrella. Go with me for a second here. Let me tell you a story about when I was 12 years old, Christmas time, and uh, I had my list of things that I had wanted, you know, I don't think I believed in Santa at that point. Sorry, spoiler alert for those of you that still do. Uh, But I had this list of things that I wanted for Christmas. And, you know, it was things like video games and clothes and things that I could use more or less immediately. And on Christmas morning, I come out to the, the, the front room there where our Christmas tree was and our mantle, the place where Santa would always deliver the gifts. I know, it's childish and stupid, but I loved it. And I come out and I see a, a, a pair of skis out there. And there wasn't a tag on them, and so I'm thinking, okay, you know, skis. Did Audrey, my sister, ask for skis or something? Well, sure enough, my mom comes out and says, hey, you know, those skis are for you. And I'm like, great. Never asked for those. I don't even, like, what am I going to do with skis? Apparently, there was a big sale the night before, like, on Christmas Eve, and Mom hadn't bought me anything, so she's like, oh, I'll get Ryan some skis. He'll probably like those. So she gets me some skis. I had no idea how to use them, and, and, and honestly, it was the biggest Christmas buzzkill I could ever remember up to that point. <laughs> so disappointed. You know, I wanted something I could use right away instead of stuff, something that I'm going to need to get more gear to use. And that's what I was thinking of skis. Well, long story short, I end up thinking, okay, well, I got some skis. I'd best learn how to use them. And so I went with my church youth group uh, later on that winter and went up, taught myself how to ski. And, and now I stand in front of you telling you that, that, okay, there's a little bit of hyperbole here, but... But, like, skiing changed my life. I love it. <laughs> There's nothing that energizes me in, in the winter like, uh, like a, a, a great day of skiing, being able to cruise down a mountain, be out in the cold air. It is something that is, is just water to my soul. I love skiing. But when I first got this gift, I was like, what? What do I do with this? This is, this is well, as I said, it's such a buzzkill. It's so anticlimactic. I don't even know what to do with this. In some ways, that's where we're at as we begin to understand this gift of grace. It might look a bit unspectacular. When we think about who Jesus is, sometimes we have this image of, of somebody that, is, you know, that, that light is coming from them and, and they are larger than life. And we forget about that this was a man, also God, but that was beaten and crucified. That had we seen him on that day, we'd be walking up going, what is this? This is, this is not what I'm going for. What in the world is this? Yet all along, what it is, is a gift. And it is, the gift is grace, and the message is the gospel. And it is that message of the gospel that we are going to come back to throughout the next nine weeks following this. I read from Romans 1, uh, verse 16. It says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, 
Because the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith. From the first to the last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The gospel, the good news, is, for, is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is about Jesus and this gift of grace. So you heard me say I learned to ski in part by going up with my uh, youth group as a kid. Grew up in the church, came over to the University of Washington following graduation in 1994. And a job that I had started at the very beginning of September, and like uh, those of you that are in school here now, uh, we don't start until the end of September, if not the beginning of October. So I was here a little bit early. There were very few students on campus. I knew nobody. And uh, one day, I, uh, before school started and there were very few people around, I was walking down to the Ave to grab dinner. And on my way back uh, to campus, I came uh, up the, the street here on 47th and 15th, and it was just just in front of 6 o'clock, and I walked by this very church. And I thought, you know, I'm not doing anything else. I don't know what else I do right now. I might as well just go in and, and see, see what this is all about. And I came into the sanctuary here, and I sat down knowing nobody, and, and uh, when it came time for the sermon, this guy, this old guy named Earl Palmer gets up, and I, I sit there and listen. He was doing a series through Romans, and as he began preaching, I found myself sitting there going, wow, because he was talking about the gospel as this relationship. This, this gift of relationship that is revealed in the grace of Jesus Christ. And, and as he began talking about it, he said that what happens in the gospel is that everything comes back to the living center. Everything that scripture tells us and everything that this letter, this, this letter tells us is rooted in this, this living center that holds it all together. And what it holds together is this grace that gives us the opportunity to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Friends, it was as if I was hearing the gospel for the first time. I grew up in the church. I went to confirmation classes. I thought that I knew it all. I thought I knew what the gospel was about. Yet as I heard these words, it was as if I was hearing the gospel for the very first time. It began to take on a, a, a bigger meaning than I had ever thought it could. I began to understand that living by faith points me back to Jesus. I began to understand that sin actually points me to Jesus. I began to, to understand that in all my questions about, oh my gosh, am I in? Am I out? Am I saved? Am I and not? Even that points me back to Jesus. That any freedom I have is rooted in Jesus. The center of this thing that I'm inviting us to consider is the gift of an umbrella that covers us. That protects us from the elements. 
And so this quarter, let's explore this gift that we might be a bit confused or even underwhelmed by, but that has major implications for us. It is the grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ that holds this whole thing together at the center. The same way that I did in the fall of 1994, let us go on a journey together where we discover that this letter addressed to somebody else is also addressed to us. Let's pray. Lord, be our teacher this quarter and help us to know that you are at the center of our lives, that you are at the center of everything uh, that is. Help us to see, to, to grasp a little bit more how uh, everything that we know flows from that center and ultimately covers us in your love. Uh, Lord, we know uh, and we ask for, for your help uh, because we know that you can do it. Uh, we know that, that you want uh, us to, to know you more. And, and so we ask for help on this night. Bless us this quarter. In Jesus' name, amen.